so what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to uh, talk about we're ending a year and we're moving into a new year. And there's questions that we can ask. And when we ask those questions, we can ask them looking back and looking forward at the same time. And so that's kind of what I want to do. Five questions that we can end this year with and begin a new year with. And they're really examination questions. And what I would encourage you to do as we get started is not go look at this and say, oh, I'm overwhelmed because there's so much, you know, no, no. Just take one or two and say, you know, let's apply one or two of these, not so you don't get overwhelmed. But these are really great questions to ask when we come to this time of the year. Where have I been? Where am I going? And, and really, the new year is a great time. It's kind of a reset. It's kind of a, a start over. It's kind of a, you know, it's a great time to ask these questions. And some of you do this religiously, and some of you have never done it. Some of you do it like hit or miss. I'm encouraging you to do that because I think it's helpful to uh, check your trajectory. Where are you going in your life, right? So here's the questions. The first one is this. Uh, where am I or where will I find my security? Where am I finding my security? Um, there's a number of places that we can try to find security in life. Um, we look to relationships. Um, we look to family. We say, I'm going to find my, fam- my family. I'm going to find security. I'm going to find my identity. I'm going to find uh, people who love me and respect me. And, uh, but what if you don't have a family? What if you don't have uh that closeness or even then what if you're separated from your family you've moved away they've moved away and so now you you feel alone and you don't have that or what if you just have a really can i say it really bad family you know they're just they're just jerks you know uh what about that um so you sometimes can look in and if you get into a relationship and say, well, if I just find the right person and marry the right person, then they will make me feel significant and secure about who I am. And maybe to a certain extent they can, but what if they, when, what do you do when they let you down? What do you do when they let you down? Or sometimes in our society, we look for security in possessions or in attaining wealth or a certain status. And we say, well, if I, raise, if I have, live in this kind of a house and drive this kind of a car and wear this designer label, then, then I will feel secure. I'll feel like I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm, I'm good and I've achieved. Or, you know, position or power, you know, all those different things. The, the real question we're asking is where do you find your security? I mean, and you say, well, how do I know? Well, it's simply this, that when you start losing it, if it's a relationship or if it's wealth or if it's power, position, something like that, when you begin to lose it, your world starts to fall apart. You go, what am I going to do? I don't know where to turn. And and that is essentially saying that whatever foundation you're leaning your life on is beginning to crack. And when it begins to crack, it reveals that you've placed your 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 security on the wrong foundation obviously the only place that is worthy of looking for us to supply security is our god in heaven when we go to god we find that security so where is god and really i'm essentially asking you as we close out a year and as we begin a new year where is god on your depth chart yes i threw a fantasy football of sports terminology there and uh 
Here's what I found. When God isn't number one in my life, if he isn't number one on my death chart, uh, my life doesn't go so well. But when I, when I put him number one, when he's number one on my depth chart, when he's my, my, uh, my main focus, my life goes better. Now, that doesn't mean that I no longer have problems or I no longer have struggles. And it's really important to understand it because some people have said, well, if you trust Jesus and he's your Savior, then your troubles will all go away. Well, actually, it's almost the opposite because now you're going to start living, you're actually going to start going against the counterculture, you're going to go counter to our culture, and you're going to find that this is a lot harder than just going with the flow. And people you know, will misunderstand you and all that stuff. But here's what, here's what I found. When Jesus is, is the top dog, sorry, um, I make better choices. I'm better, dealing, I'm better at dealing with disappointment. My stress level goes down and my hope and enjoyment goes up. I'm a better person to be around. It's just a better life when Jesus is number one in my life. The opposite is true. When, when, I, uh, when I rely on other things rather than Christ, then, then I, I find my worry goes up. I find that I'm not really a good person to be around. And uh, it just goes in the exact opposite position. Direction. So the question I'm asking you is, where do you find shelter in the storms of life? Psalm 91 goes says this, and I love this passage. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. Him. And so that's really essentially what I'm asking you. Where is your trust? Because, you know, we don't know. I mean, this last year was dicey for a lot of us. And for some of us, you, you had some health challenges you could have never imagined. And you're maybe still in the middle of that. And, or you've lost some people that are very close to you this year. You're still struggling with that. And you, you say, well, well, what will this next year hold? And we say, we don't know. But when we understand that we're under his shelter, that he is our shelter and he is our strength and he will hold us in his hands, then we could face this world knowing that he understands and he has a plan and that it, we're not out there alone. We're not sitting ducks, right? So maybe you need a change this coming year, but maybe the change in your life this year is not doing things differently, but changing who you're doing things with. So it may be that you don't have to really rearrange your life a lot as much as you need to say, am I allowing God to be a part of what I'm doing, where I'm going, and the decisions I'm making, and you know the dreams I'm dreaming? Maybe what I'm saying is that you're... You, you, the issue isn't that you need to make a huge lifestyle change. It's including God in your lifestyle. Because have you found this? That sometimes you can go days or even weeks without even acknowledging there is a God. Because, and, and, and see, so maybe the, the lifestyle change is just acknowledging God and, and, and say, God, what do you think? What do you want? What what is your desire? And obviously there's more ways to, to talk about that, and we'll hit on that in a minute. Um, you know, I, I was thinking when Jesus was here on earth, no relationship was more important to him while he was on earth than his Father in heaven. He said, I've come to do the, my will, my Father in heaven. And, and, and his, greatest, his greatest 
time of agony was really not the physical suffering on the cross. His greatest time of agony is when he cried out to his father. And his father had left because he had taken our sin upon himself. And he cried out, Father, where are you? And he was alone. And so if that's true for Jesus, then how much more for us? So that's the first question is where, where will you find your security? Where have you found your security? Where will you find it this coming year? Second, um, how am I or how will I impact those around me? How am I, how will I impact those around me in this coming year? Um, Paul writes to Timothy, and Timothy's a young man at this point, and he says this to Timothy. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4. Teach these things and insist that everybody learn them, everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in, your way, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. You know, as I see it, there, there's three things that you can do, and maybe you have done it this past year. You can say, I'm going to choose to be a positive influence of those that are around me, whether they're my coworkers, my family, my friends, my neighbors. I'm going to be a positive influence around them. Now, that has incredible implications. We could do a whole series on your mouth and gossip and, and uh, you know, sharing and all those other things. But I, I'm going to choose to be a positive influence or I'm going to be a negative influence or you, you may say, well, those are the only two options. But as I was thinking through that, I said, no, there's really, there's really another option. The other option is that you can miss the opportunity to impact people. That every day you go through your life, you have opportunities to either positively or negatively impact people. Sometimes you positively impact them. Sometimes you negatively impact them. But many times you don't impact them at all because you don't decide to be a positive or influence you have opportunities but you don't take those opportunities you know they're there but you just don't take them you don't say that word that you could say you don't do that deed that you could do and so by default you choose not to do anything now paul is saying it's very interesting and i love this passage because this is for the young people that are here because sometimes you think well when i grow up i'm going to be a good christian young man or young woman and i just want to say you don't have to wait to grow up because essentially what he's saying to paul to timothy is he says don't let your youth keep you from doing that now you can be an influence now you can be a positive influence now you don't have to grow up to impact people you could be a positive influence and he tells us how and it's not what we often think because sometimes when we're younger or maybe maybe when we think of younger we could say but i'm new to the faith i'm a new christian and i don't believe i can impact people i don't think i can really make a difference and and i look at youth in that sense too in a sense of i don't know the bible that well i I don't understand it that much but here here's what i i think is true that he, he doesn't say you can share your, 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 your Bible knowledge. You can share your wealth of wisdom. No. He, what does he say? He says live a life that's characterized by what? What you say, loving others, exercising faith, and living a pure life. <laughs> that's just... We can all do that. <laughs> 
See, you don't need to come from a powerful, wealthy, connected family to be influential. Sometimes we think that's true, and there may be a boost to that, but essentially, and he's saying you don't have to be old. You can be young. You can just live a good life, a positive life. You can be a Corinthian cobbler and just... Just be a faithful person. You wake up every day and you're faithful to God. You know, that's what Christianity needs more than anything else. You know what? This is what, where my heart goes. That the one thing that every community needs and every church needs is just faithful people who just say, today I'm going to love God because He loves me. Today I'm going to live a moral life. Today I'm going to Try to be a positive influence to those people around me. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be decent. I'm going to watch what I say. I'm going to try to use my words to build up rather than to tear down. I'm going to speak the truth in love if I have to, but, but I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I mean, I mean I, you know, all those different things. I'm going, to, I'm going to exercise faith. I'm going to say, God, I believe that you want me to do this, and I know that unless you show up, I'm not going to be able to do it. I want to do it in your power, but I want to take that step of faith. That's what a Corinthian cobbler is. They're people that they're there, they're there this year, they're there the next year, they're there the following year, and you know what they're doing? They're just living moral, decent, good lives. I'm tired of hearing Christians, pastors and missionaries and, and just... Just people who just basically are just deciding to just, oh, I don't, I'm done. I'm out of here. You know, I, how about a little faithfulness? You know, and you, if you say, well, I'm not in the right family or I'm, I'm not uh, in a prestigious position. Remember, Jesus was born, you know, in a manger. <laughs> and he was, he was, his family was a marginal in society. I mean, even Jesus, when he kind of became Came, was coming to prominence, they said, well, aren't you the carpenter's son? I mean, come on, who are you? He was misunderstood mo- by most of the people around him, but he, he remained faithful to his mission, and he had an incredible influence. So wh- who are you going to impact with your life? How have you impacted people in this past year? Here's the third question. How am I or how will I be generous? Let me read this passage. This is 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And, And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God, this is a great phrase, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God is generous. He daily, every one of us has received a gift from God today. Do you realize that? That you're alive. That your very life today is a gift from God. The very breath you draw is a gift from God. But here's the point. Um, We talk about generosity. God is so generous. And if we belong to him, if we're his sons and daughters, and it seems like a family trait we should take on is that we're generous, right? Uh, God is generous. He gives us life. He gives us breath. Um, so the question we're asking is, how generous have you been this past year? And how generous will you be in this coming year? Uh, I wrote down, what did you do with your money this past year? And the reason I say that is because Jesus says, the state of your heart can be determined 
he said at least in two, two times, Jesus, you can know where your heart is in two ways. Number one, he says, as a man or a person speaks, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can listen to a person's language and you could say, are they worried? Are they talking worried talk? Are they angry? Is it angry talk? Is it, is it, uh, you can hear their heart. You can hear their heart because people, they, they can't help themselves. You're hearing your heart when you talk. Maybe you, people are hearing it and you're not. The second thing he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So where's your treasure? You see, if God is God is if God has given you more than enough, did you share it? Did you use it for His kingdom, or do you, did you spend it all on yourself? You see, God loves people who are generous. Generous people aren't looking for money as their primary means of security, significance, and satisfaction. Generous people have faith to believe that God will give them what they need, and they must trust that He will provide. And they do. They, they believe that God has given them more, and that more is for others, not for them. And that's, listen, this is, you know, we talk about the currents in our culture, and that sexual current is a really strong current, and this, this money one is a huge current. It's like, you're really going against the current when you, when you start doing this. And so when you begin to say, um, am I going to invest more into his kingdom this year? Am I going to be more generous for his kingdom this year? Uh, that's really uh, going against the current. Uh, so for many of us, this is a struggle. Can we trust him next year to provide enough that we will give more away to others, to him? Have you thought about that? Have you, has it even dawned on you, what am I going to do this coming year that is going to be different than this past year? Am I going to give more for his kingdom or not? Now, again, that's between you and God what you do. That's between you and God where you give that money. I hope you would give to the local church, and I would hope that that would be part of where you would give. But that's irrelevant to what I'm saying. The point is, we're talking about generosity, in, in, and it's, it's a struggle in our hearts, and we have to deal with that. And by the way, can I just say this? I can, because I have the microphone and you can't stop me. But, uh, but I am really tired of hearing pastors get on TV and say, give so that God will multiply and you'll have more. So what? you're going to have more to give it away? That's not, I never hear that. I never hear give so that God will give you more so you have more to give away. No, it's for you. That, that's not what I read in the Bible. God wants you to be generous. He wants you to be cheerful. He doesn't want you to feel compelled or obligated. If you feel like I'm, telling, I'm compelling you or obligating you to be generous, you ain't getting this. You're not understanding this. The strong pull of our pop culture uh, is financial security and prosperity. And everyone is driven to achieve a level above where they are, no matter where they are. You could have a million dollars and say, I wish I had two. Right? You, and, and that's where our culture is. But will it, the, the point is, that will never really bring you security. That will never bring you significance. Uh, it might be fun, but ultimately there's uh, uh, an emptiness. So the question is, how will your generosity be different this coming year? Ending a year and starting a new one is a good time to determine what you're going to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. So have you set some goals this year for generosity? Are you going to serve? You know, you can go to the Dream Center and help out. You can 
give your time. You can give your abilities. We had people that are, were here yesterday helping us pick up from the Christmas Eve services. They just showed up and they helped. Um, there's multiple opportunities of where you can serve and use your gifts and give your money. Um, the point I want you to see is this. You are making an investment. Every one of us is making an investment. We're either investing money here for here and now or investing money for heaven, for eternity. You are. You absolutely are making an investment. It's not if you are. You are. The question is, what percentage of your investment is here? Jesus one day you're going to leave this earth, and everything you have, no matter how much you treasure it, you may have a collect... Listen, I'm not... I've got to be careful here. You may collect things. You have this priceless collection. The day you walk off this earth, it doesn't, it's not priceless anymore. It, it is to someone here, but not to you. It's gone. You're, you're done. It's over. And so, essentially, you have to say, what am I investing in eternity? Because whatever is here on this earth, it stays here. It, it's not going with you, right? All right. Last, or fourth, number four. I know this is just a list, and I'm going through it, and it's tedious. How have I and how will I play my position? Do you know that God has a role and a purpose it says that uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. And then it says that we are Christ's masterpieces, Ephesians uh, 2.10. That God, Christ made us for a purpose and He has a plan for our lives. So what is that plan in your life? First uh, Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well, what? To serve yourself. No, to serve one another. God has given each of us various gifts and abilities. We are called as His servants to use them for His kingdom and glory. So how did that go this year? Do you even know what your gift is? Have you used your gift? Have you you know, sought out what is my gift, what's my ability, what has God given me to use? Have you done that? Uh, this is not for the elite of Christianity, because sometimes we have this idea that there's this elite, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, just the super Christians, and they're the ones that have the gifts. No, everyone has the gift, uh, has a gift. And uh, everyone is called to use their gifts for his kingdom. We're called to serve one another. Now, the point I see, and this is what I see generally within the church oftentimes, is most of us are called to play second fiddle. Right? The problem is most of us want to be in the first chair. Right? We want to be, we want to have the lead. And God says no. And that's where that Corinthian cobbler comes in. Corinthian cobblers say, I'll be second, third, fourth, fifth chair. I'll be, you know, support. I'll work on the set. Uh, I'll work behind the scenes. I don't really care. Just use me wherever you want. And those are Corinthian cobblers. I love Corinthian cobblers because the majority of Christians are called to be Corinthian cobblers. And, and that's a great thing. Jesus is our supreme example of what a true servant looks like. Jesus assumed the role of a servant. Jesus assumed the... So I want to read you this passage, and I don't think I have it up on the screen. It's from uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, and it's in the NIV, and I think it's a great translation. This is talking about Jesus and His coming to earth. And if He's our example, then here's the... Here's the ultimate example of what it means to be a servant. In your relationships with each other, have this mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature, uh, 
God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if you ever want to know what does it mean to be a servant, there it is. I mean, that's not, that's not even second fiddle. That, that, that's, you know, he went from being the lead to being nothing. And he did it so that we could have life. So, so as we think about this, this past year, how have you used your gift for his kingdom? Your gifts, your abilities, your resources. And, and, and moving into this coming year, what, what's going to be different? What's going to be different? All right. I got to get going here. All right. Last one. What needs to be made right right now? Maybe there's something going on in your life. It's been going on for a while, and there needs to be a point where you you put a a line in the sand and you say, okay, this is it. We're going to deal with this right now. We're going to deal with this. It may be that you have ongoing sin in your life that you just need to get right. It it may be a relationship that's been broken for a long time, and you've put a wall up, and you need to bring that wall down. I don't know what it is, but there's something going on in your life that you say, if this were ever exposed, it would bring shame on the body of Christ. And you need to deal with it. You need to ask God for forgiveness, and you need to do whatever it takes to to straighten that out. And that's why the psalmist says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then this verse, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What hidden things need to be exposed to the light of the gospel? What relationship needs to be repaired? What sins need to be confessed? What behavior needs to be changed? What task needs to be finished? Maybe there's things you should be doing or you should have done that you've never gotten around to. You said you're always going to do this, but you never do it. When are you going to do it? If, you know, when are you going to take that and do that? You know, oftentimes, little changes can bring great accomplishment. As I said before, maybe what you need to do is allow Jesus to be more part of your life. It's as simple as that. You know, that will change the trajectory of your life very quick if you include Jesus in on your decisions. I mean, you sit down with your, your checkbook or your bank balance and say, Jesus, what did I do this year? What would you want me to do? Or sit down with, you know, and go through and do an inventory of relationships and say, how am I doing in my relationships? Are there people I need to go to and just, you know, I said this or I did this or we haven't been on good terms and I kind of uh, been a jerk about it. I just want to apologize. You know, when you start going through there, things will change. Like I said before, you may not need to change your behavior as much as you need to change, you need to include Jesus more in your behavior. So let me just give you two things that I think would be helpful to help you kind of get started on this. Because like I said, I just, I've given you a whole bunch of things to think about. And if you try to do all of them, you'll be overwhelmed. Um, really, essentially, if I'm saying anything, I'm saying, would you include Jesus more in your life? Because if you include Him more in your life, then you'll start making these changes and they will be more natural and fluid. Um, So two areas 
that I want to challenge you on this coming year. Your relationship with God. Can you, can you find a way to include uh, reading and hearing God's Word in prayer into your current routine? Because if you want to have a relationship with God, you really need to know what He wants and who He is. And you, the only way you're going to find that is, is being in His Word. And you say, well, I'm not a reader. Okay, fine. Because you, if you have a phone or if you have a, a, there, a tablet or a computer, you basically can have somebody read the Word of God to you. you it's all on CDs. Anybody use those anymore? I mean, come on. This is not a problem. This, this is a matter of just get, getting it and doing it and, and, and saying, God, speak to my heart today. You know, we have the daily breads out there. If you want to start really small, we're trying to get you plugged into this, uh, this purpose-driven life that's just chocked full of Scripture. Uh, the book I mentioned here has uh, every day you're going through with Scripture. I mean, th- so you can do that. And, and if you want to know what God wants in your life and what He desires in your life, this is how you do it. You, you, you get plugged in like that. Um, so instead of reading the paper, maybe you, in the morning, maybe that's the first thing you do. Read the Bible. Just take 10 or 15 minutes or 5 or 10 minutes and read the Bible. Pray before you eat. Do you, have, do you, do you folks pray before you eat? We do. We pray, we, you know, and just start including God in your, your life. You know, uh, instead of telling people uh, you'll pray for them, pray for them right then and there. <laughs> That's what I've started doing. You know, I, if you, if, now you're going to catch me now because I'm going to say, hey, I'll pray for you, and you'll walk away and say, yeah, he's a liar. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I'm generally trying to catch myself, and I, and I, I did it a couple times this last week, and I, somebody's telling me, hey, would you pray for? And I said, Listen, let's just pray right now. We don't have to wait. We can do it right now. In fact, you're here right now and I can pray with you. And So pray right with people. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see as you're leaving today, if you're talking and somebody's sharing something, and say, hey, would you pray for me? And say, yeah, let's pray right now. Or, uh, so, your relationship with God. Can you include some things in your regular routine that would improve your relationship with God and include Jesus in your day-to-day life. Uh, your time, talent, and treasure. Stop thinking about serving and following uh, and follow up on it. Uh, if you are going to use your gifts, go to the Connection Center. We'll help you get plugged in. We'll help you get you you get to know people and grow as you either serve or as you get plugged into a small group and you do life with people. You grow in your spiritual life, not in isolation, but in community. Um, determine what you're going to give. You say, well, I'd love to give, but I, I'm, just, I'm just not good at it. I, 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 I'm hit or miss. Well, then auto-debit. Carol and I auto-debit, all right? Every month we have a certain amount that's taken out of our account, and that happens. I just get an email notification. There it is, blue pay. Done, right? Now... Do we need to do that? No, because she's like a calculator. And, and in fact, when I told her we were going to do that, she said, well, why? And I said, because I can't ask people to do it if we don't do something like that. We don't need to do it because she's, like I said, she's like, she's automatic on that stuff. But if you don't have that, there's building automation into your life for that. And you'll get at the end of the year and think, wow, I gave a lot of money this year. I couldn't believe that. Well, little by little, that adds up, right? In other words... Add a pattern, and you'll be amazed at what you'll, you'll get done by the end of the year. But I guess I'm asking you, what patterns are you going to add 
that are going to help you that you get to this time next year and you say, wow, we've really made some progress this year. I was really just taking a little thing and doing a little thing. But take some time in the next few days. Say, how is this next year going to be different than this last year was? How is it going to be different? I've given you areas to think about. Maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to a specific area. But use, use this message, use this time to enjoy your friends and family and to recover and all that other stuff, but to think about how am I going to start this new year and how is it going to be different? How will my life impact others in a much more rich, deep, purposeful way? How will I acknowledge the presence of God in my life? How will I be more generous? How will I use my gifts and my abilities more for His kingdom? And when you start asking those questions and start laying out a plan, a, a plan that is kind of built into your lifestyle, you'll be amazed at what God can do through you. I'm going to do it. I hope you'll join me. But I think that will be a great way to start out a new year and a great way to end a year by examining what did I do, what will I do. So may God help us to think this year in a very purposeful way as we move into the, the coming year. Would you stand with me? Let me pray with you. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy that are new every day. And we ask that you would help us to uh, examine where we've been and make plans for where we're going. We ask that you will just maybe take one or two areas and help us to be more faithful, to find you, to walk with you, to, uh, to live our lives in a purposeful way that will be positive impact upon your kingdom, upon your people, and that you will use us for your glory more than this past year. We ask this, Father, all in Jesus' name. Amen.